Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 32, the word of the Lord says this, Now therefore our God, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love, let not all the hardships seem little to you that has come upon us, upon our kings, our princes, our priests, our prophets, our fathers, and all your people since the time of the kings of Assyria unto this day. Yet you have been righteous in all that has come upon us, for you have dealt faithfully, and we have acted wickedly. Remember, this is all of them. They're about to sign this document, and they said, God, you've been faithful while we have been wicked. Verse 34, our kings, our princes, our priests, and our fathers have not kept your law or paid attention to your commandments and your warnings that you gave them. Even in their own kingdom and amid your great goodness that you gave them and in the large and rich land that you set before them they did not serve you or turn from their wicked works behold we are slaves this day in the land that you gave to our fathers to enjoy his fruit and its good gifts behold we are slaves and its rich yield goes to the kings whom we have set over us because of our sins they rule over our bodies and over our livestock as they please. And we are in great distress. Last verse, verse 38. Because of all this, because of all their wickedness, because of them continuing in sin, because of all of the past, we make a firm covenant in writing. On the sealed document are the names of princes, our Levites, and our priests. Because of all this today, we signed this document. And on that name is going to be the name of the princes, Levites, and our priests. I want to read that part. I wanted to read that section because I believe it's going to set us up as we close out today, last week of the book of Nehemiah. Next week, we'll start a short series on freedom. It's the month of May. We're talking about um, mental health. And I think the next following two weeks are going to be vital and helpful. But today, as we close out the book of Nehemiah, chapter 9 sets us up. As the people of God signed this covenant, this contract with God, as they asked for forgiveness for all they'd done, they're starting a brand new day. Out of this last section, chapters 10 through 13, I want to talk to you uh, from this title today. If you're taking notes, stay close to the fire. Stay close to the fire. Why don't you look at three, four people around you and tell them, stay close to the fire. Stay close to the fire. Chino, it's good to see you here today. Stay close to the fire. We're going to pray, and then we'll talk about this for the next 23, 24, 25 minutes, and then we'll worship Jesus and then go enjoy uh, our time with family and friends and honor every single mom. Amen? Come on, let's pray, and then we'll talk about Nehemiah. Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this house. Thank you for this church. Thank you for all that call Calvary home. I pray that you bless us today as we seek you, lean into you, open up our eyes 
today on this Mother's Day. Bless every single mom today, God. We pray a fresh anointing over their life, fresh strength. We pray that you honor them, bless them. Thank you for the incredible moms. And we pray for more moms to rise up in our culture, in our cities, in our society today. Thank you, God, for the examples that they've been to us. Bless them today and bless this time together in the Word. Help us to see you, Jesus, through the book of Nehemiah. Because as we see you and as we draw closer to you, our lives are better. We thank you and we love you. And it's in Jesus' name, all of Calvary Church says. Oh, come on. All of Calvary Church says. Can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? A gentleman by the name of Max Dupree was the CEO of a Fortune 500 company for a number of years. He was extremely successful. The company was called Herman Miller, and it had years and years of success as he turned it around and turned it into this multi, multi, multi-millionaire uh, company. The organization was incredible, and so they would ask Mr. Dupree to go to different conventions, conferences, to speak to business leaders, to talk about leadership because he was a phenomenal leader. And at this one convention, as he's taking questions, one reporter asked him, what is the hardest thing that you found in your company that you had to fight against? And Mr. Dupree immediately answered by saying, well, the most difficult thing is in leadership is the interception of entropy. The interception of entropy. Entropy, for those of us that don't know what that is, entropy is the second law of thermodynamics. It's the second law of thermodynamics. Entropy, basically what it means is the idea that everything left to itself has a tendency to deteriorate. Everything left to itself has a tendency to deteriorate. So, for example, for Mr. Dupree in his company, his organization, what he meant was that without leadership, employees stop working, they get lazy, they get on their phone, they come to work late, they leave early. Entropy, if left by itself, energy begins to expand to other things, and you don't have this compact, fine-running, ordered, organized organization. Entropy happens everywhere. It's the second law. It's the principle that happens in life. Right now, as we are here speaking, entropy is the reason why some of our watches, their batteries go after some time. It's why plants begin to die. It's why toys over time begin to break. It's why food begins to rot. Entropy is the reason why ice cream begins to melt. It's the reason that your coffee grows cold. Anybody like me, you hate cold coffee. I like boiling hot, hell like coffee. <laughs> Entropy means energy expands. Left to itself, the energy begins to go out and it begins to deteriorate. It's happening right now as we speak, as we are here. It's happening to animals, it's happening to humans. Some of our hairs begin to turn gray as we're here. Some of us are already all white, they didn't gray, they're just white. Some of us don't have any more hair to turn gray or white. Come on, everything fell off. Entropy happened all the way through, right? It's why our skin begins to get wrinkled and sagged and it doesn't matter how much Botox, it doesn't matter how many injections you put, entropy will happen. It happens all across in life. I see it now more than ever that things left to itself deteriorate and they tend to go to disorder. We have a five-month-old now at home and now I realize how much kids have to be entertained. 
I walk into my living room and there's a baby chair for feeding. There is this little play uh, corral thing for them to have a good time. There's blankets, there's binkies, there's bottles everywhere. Have you ever fixed and organized your house and within moments it's all disorganized? In a second, it looks like a tornado came in, a demonic spirit just came and disorganized the entire house. In a second, everything gets disorganized. I see it in my own life, right? Unless I am disciplined, unless I am a leader, unless I decide to be organized, things left to itself have a tendency to deteriorate. Things left to itself have a tendency to go from order to disorder. Nothing goes from order to order. It goes from order to disorder. If I'm not disciplined, if I'm not a leader, I know that within a couple of days, I won't be uh, up on my diet and fitness. I didn't develop the six-pack by accident. It's because I've been disciplined. <laughs> How many know the hamper will be full? The room will be disorganized. The house gets all of a sudden upside down because unless you are on top of things, they tend to become disorganized. In my own relationship with God, I've seen it when I decide not to read the Bible for a few days or when I decide not to pray. All of a sudden, it becomes easier to miss more days and all of a sudden, my relationship with God is not the way it used to be because I didn't stay organized. I didn't stay on top of it. And left to itself, it goes to disorder. We start to compromise in life. We start to compromise on our disciplines, whether they're physical disciplines or spiritual disciplines. We all compromise in one area or another. And sooner or later, we see how things deteriorate or get disorganized. In fact, I'll put it this way today. Compromise leads to chaos. You and I, as we begin to compromise in areas of our life, the tendency, what it will lead to is chaos. I'm sure you've seen it in your own life as well. All of us, as we get lazy or compromised in our physical life, our mental life, our emotional life, for sure our spiritual life, we used to love Jesus. We used to love reading the Word of God. We, we couldn't wait to get home and read through the book of Nehemiah and take notes. And we couldn't wait for a Sunday to get in church and lift up our voice. I couldn't wait to serve, give, and all of a sudden help out. But because I stopped and I started compromising in my life, chaos began to walk in. Chaos begins to walk into your mind, into your spirit, into your soul. And all of a sudden, two days or three days of no Bible reading leads to a month of no Bible reading because you didn't stay close to the we have a tendency to walk away. There's, there's something about the flesh. That's why Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, right? And so the flesh wants to get away from the fire. And because I stopped for a moment, chaos began to walk into my life and into your life. And you find yourself away from the fire. You're no longer passionate about the things of God like you used to be. You no longer sing the way you used to sing. You don't have your Bible on Sundays the way you used to. You don't highlight the way you used to. You don't tell G people about Jesus the way that you used to because entropy happened and all of a sudden disorganization came into your spirit and all of a sudden your Bible gets dust and you have to dust it off on Sundays before you come to church because entropy says if you leave things to itself, disorder and disorganization happens. I didn't stay close to the fire and now I'm cold in my heart and I no longer have conviction of sin. Let's talk about that for a moment. And now I'm hanging around with the people that I wasn't hanging around with before and I'm laughing about the jokes that I wasn't laughing about before and now I'm looking at things I wasn't looking at before because entropy happened. Happy Mother's Day. Next week we start a new series, but Nehemiah is challenging in this last part. 
And if we look at our world, our world is headed in this direction. I mean, we're going from order to disorder. We're going from being stable to all of a sudden disorganization and, and deteriorating. And there's people in today's culture and society that will say, let people do whatever they want. Hey, let people choose however they want to live. Why do you got to tell people? And so those kind of people, they want less Bible teaching. They want less government. They want less rules. They want less boundaries. And just let people do whatever they want. Let everybody be free. <laughs> and all of a sudden what we're seeing is that humans left to themselves do not choose good. Humans left to themselves go to disorder. Humans left to themselves, some of us, even though we're very strong and we have a great willpower, left to ourselves, we tend to go to disorganization. We Our culture is deteriorating. People are going to disorganization. There is disorder happening in society. And so what we need is leadership for entropy not to happen. What we need is men and women of God that stand up in our culture, in our society, and say enough is enough. It's time to bring back discipline. It's it's time to bring back morals. It's time to bring back values. It's time to preach Jesus. It's time to tell people there's one way, one truth, and one life. It's time to point people to the light. It's time to tell people there's a source of life, and he can bring order. He can bring peace. He can bring hope. He can bring joy. Come on, somebody. Give Jesus a big praise. But we need to be disciplined and stop compromising. Otherwise, we drift. And all of us at one point or another, we've drifted away from God. Perhaps you're here this morning and you've drifted away from God. And you realize it and you recognize it in your soul, I've drifted. Notice, it's never God who drifts, it's always us. Come on, how good is God? He never moves away from us. Oh, come on, we've left him, we've turned our back on him, but it's always God, the one that comes to find us, the ones that, God showed up in the garden, he said, Adam, where are you? It wasn't Adam looking for God, it was God looking for Adam. And if you're here or watching, it is God calling you today, saying, where are you? I have a plan and a purpose. I got mercy and grace, I got forgiveness, and I'll bring order, I'll bring peace, I'll bring joy. Anybody thankful for how good God is? Come on. He's a good God. And so I put it this way today. A disciplined life leads to a blessed life. As I stay close to the fire. Somebody say, stay close to the fire. Close to the fire. Nehemiah is this type of leader who's going to fight against entropy. And I'll just do a small recap because we've been talking about this for weeks. And today is the last week of this book. And this book is going to end in a very challenging way. But Nehemiah was living in a palace 800 miles away from Jerusalem. Has never been to Jerusalem. Never saw it on IG. Never heard about it. Never Googled it. Never anything. He's living in a palace. He has a comfortable life. And he asks one of his brothers finally, how's Jerusalem doing? And they tell him, Jerusalem is destroyed. All the walls were burned up with fire. The city is desolate, it's destroyed. And he decides to go back and rebuild the walls of the city of God. Because he understood leaders, they rise to the occasion to come and bring healing to the broken places of life. 
Oh, it is leaders who rise to the occasion to bring back order in broken places. Today, God is looking for Nehemiahs. When we see broken walls, when we see a broken culture, when we see broken families, when we see broken marriages, God is looking for leaders. Leaders are not made during weak times. Leaders are made during hard times. And although the world is getting darker and although the world is getting more difficult, I'm excited because that just means God is making leaders in the darkness. God is making leaders in the hard time. Can I get an amen? It's easy to lead during good times when everything is rainbows and butterflies. It's easy to be a leader when life is good and the money is good and family is good and your health is good. But true leaders, they stand up when life gets ugly and when life gets difficult. And this is Nehemiah. He says, send me to Jerusalem. And the king sends him and he's a leader and he gathers people. The book of Nehemiah calls it a remnant. A remnant just means the people who still believe in God and call on his name. The church today all over the world is the remnant. The ones who still call on the name that is above every, anybody thankful to be part of that remnant? The church of Jesus Christ that he's coming back for. And so Nehemiah and the people that still love God, they start to build this city and he goes from a cupbearer to a construction worker. And he, it takes him 52 days. We studied this over the last few weeks to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, to rebuild the walls. And he had opposition. He had Sambalat. He had Tobiah. He had ugly people hating on him and discrediting him, calling him a fanatic and religious. And he still goes to work and he finishes the wall. And in chapter 8, when the wall's finished, he brings out Ezra and he tells them, bring out the book. Ezra comes out with the Bible they make a pulpit for him in this city that now has 50,000 people. And Ezra begins to preach from the word of God to 50,000 people in the city square. This is a massive church. And as the word is going out, people begin to confess their sin. What we need in our cities today is not more entertainment, not more playoff games, though I'm glad we beat the Knicks. Not more... <laughs> Not more football, not more movies. I'm all for all that. I'm a, I'm a fan. I'll, I'll celebrate that. But what we need is the preaching of the word of God. It's the only thing that's going to heal. It's the only thing that's going to reunite families. It's the only thing that brings salvation to the soul. And so Nehemiah, he gets up there and he starts reading from the word of God. He starts reading from the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And the whole city, 50,000 people, they go into national repentance. And they all begin to cry before God. And all of a sudden, that crying goes into joy as they realize that God has been faithful. God was good. Although we were sinners, they say. Although we turned their, we just read that. Although we turned our back on him. Although I was faithless, he's faithful. And his word always comes to pass. Oh, come on. So they start to celebrate. In fact, in chapter 11, it names all the people that were faithful to build. In chapter 10, 11, that built the walls and built the city. They get to chapter 12 and they throw a party. Literally, they throw a party. It's the dedication of the wall. And it says that they were so loud. They literally brought out all types of instruments and some of us are in here we're like you guys are loud on Sunday where do you get it from Nehemiah chapter 12 they brought guitars they brought saxophone players trumpet players flute players violin players they brought electric guitars bass they brought drums they brought singers Peter was at the wall singing up there with the band and it says that you can hear their joy from far away oh come on I think that's the way that Calvary Church should be that people hear our joy from far away why are we loud because because he's been a good God, because he's been a faithful God, because I should have been dead, but he saved me, because I should have been six feet under, but his mercy and grace rescued me. I'm going to praise him with all that I got. I'm going to let all of Miami know 
there's a good God and he saved me and he rescued me and he healed me. I should have been in a hospital. I should have been in a grave. I should have been gone. But God, somebody give God a praise. Let all of Kendall hear you. Let all of Miami hear you. Somebody give God a praise. We should be so loud that people driving 117 will be like, wait, what was that noise? It's the joy of the people of God because the drug didn't do it. The bottle didn't do it. The weed didn't do it. The relationship didn't do it. The sex didn't do it. My, oh, come on, it was the word of God. It was what healed us. It was what saved us. Anybody thankful for his word? Come on. You bet I'm gonna be loud about God that I am for Jimmy Butler in the heat. And I was loud when we beat him, especially the Knicks. But I'm gonna be louder about my God who saved me. I feel like some of us, we get saved and we forget where God saved us from. Or we get saved and we turn into the chosen frozen. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. I like to meditate, that's it. I'm quiet, I'm, not, I'm, I'm an introvert. You used to be an extrovert. You used to be at Club Live till four o'clock in the morning, extroverting. <laughs> Come on, you should be more extrovert now with praise. Come on, that you're not dead, you're not lost, you're not in sin, you got delivered. Come on, let the joy of the church be heard all throughout the city. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Somebody give them a praise. Chapter 12, they throw a party. This is a party. I mean, they go all out for God because their city was destroyed. They didn't have a city. They didn't have walls. They, some of them were homeless without a nation to go to, without worship. And God does an incredible work. And when you see what God has done in your life, you got to praise him. When you say, God, how do you bless me with this family? How'd you bless me with this marriage? How'd you bless me with this home? How do I still have a sane mind? I could have lost my mind. I could have lost my life. I could have been dead. I could have, but God, you've been good. You've got to praise him. And I'll try to wrap up because the keys are already up. But Nehemiah then at the end of chapter 12, if we read the whole book, you'll understand that after chapter 10 and 11, where they signed this new covenant, we will never go back to sin. God will worship you. We're going to build your house. We're going to worship you. We're going to honor you. Nehemiah gives them certain instructions. They said, we're going to do it. And they all signed this document. Their names are in chapter 10 and 11. Chapter 12 is the big party. Nehemiah, after some time, he goes back to serve the king. If you remember correctly, in chapter 2, he asked the king for permission to go and become the governor of Jerusalem. And he only gave him some time from what we can understand in the book of Nehemiah. It's about 12 years that Nehemiah goes. 12 years he goes to Jerusalem he rebuilds the wall they have a revival service for six hours the word of God is being preached people are shouting yes and amen kind of like here and it's amazing they throw a party and after 12 years Nehemiah has to go back and serve the king Nehemiah leaves and after chapter 12 comes chapter 13 and this is where we're going to end the book chapter 13 you, like those of us who grew up reading stories like this is the happily ever after chapter 13 this book is going to end phenomenal Chapter 13 is a devastating chapter. Chapter 13 is, is a sad chapter. Nehemiah goes away, and from what we can understand once again in the book, it looks like he's away for about two years. He goes back to serve King Artaxerxes. Jerusalem has 
worship going on, the party going on. They're all serving God. They're all honoring God. But after two years, Nehemiah gets word that people did not continue to worship God, continue to honor God. They've gone back on their word. And they're breaking the oath, the promise that they made to God. Have you ever made an oath to God or a promise to God just to break it? I've done it a million times. Like, like God, God, have you blessed me? God, have you helped me in this situation? Lord, I will serve you all the days of my life. All of my life, take it, Lord. And we don't stick to that word. We all do it. If you're like me, I'm reading chapter 13, and for the first few seconds, I'm like, these people, my God, they're hard-headed. What's wrong with them? Until I realize chapter 13 happens in my life all the time move away from the fire we compromise this order comes in there's no discipline there's no leadership and instead of staying close to the fire we walk away we drift the currents and the streams of culture society life and the pressures keep us from God so we no longer pray the way we used to worship the way we used to attend church the way we used to because life happens I've been there and we make all these promises to God God, if you heal this family member, Lord, I will serve you every single day to the day I die. And then Monday rolls around and we forget our promise. Lord, if you give me this bonus this year, I won't give you a tithe. I won't give you 10%. I'll give you 20%, Lord. And the bonus comes and we don't get it. Nobody here. I'm saying other churches happens all the time. Lord. Right? We walk away from our old son. Nehemiah gets to Jerusalem. And compromises happened all over Jerusalem. People have stopped worshiping. People have stopped going to the temple. They've intermarried with people of different religions, of no faith. And it's a mess what's going on in chapter 13. And because of time and services, we don't have time to go verse by verse. But you got to go and read what happens in chapter 13. I'll just read a small section. Chapter 13, verses 6 and 8. Nehemiah chapter 13, verses 6 and 8. And after some time... I asked leave of the king and I came to Jerusalem and I discovered that the evil that Elishib, he's a priest, had done for Tobiah. Anybody remember Tobiah, Sambalan and Tobiah? They were the enemies of Nehemiah and the people of God. Well, this priest, look what he did for Tobiah. He prepared for him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. And I was very angry and I threw out the household furniture of Tobiah out of the chamber. In other words, Nehemiah comes to Jerusalem and one of the priests, he literally turned evil and wicked and he allowed Tobiah to come into the house of God, gave him a room, gave him a blanket, gave him a nice comfy bed and he says, you stay here. And again, we could read that and we're like, why would he let Tobiah in? This is an evil man. He wants nothing to do with God. But my God, how many times have I let Tobiah in my heart? How many times have you and I let Tobiah creep into our heart when we compromise? When we laugh about things that we shouldn't laugh at, when we look at things we shouldn't look at, when we hear things we shouldn't be hearing, we're letting Tobiah in our heart. And you and I, we compromise all the time and we stay away from the fire. And when we stay away from the fire, it's Tobiah coming knocking. And he comes in the form of every single temptation. And some of us here, we know what temptation is. And we're tempted, we're tempted to gossip, we're, get, we're tempted to pride, we're tempted to greed, we're tempted to lust, we're tempted to all kind of sin. We're all tempted in one way or another. Every single one of us. And we need to compromise. And I feel as we close out this book today, 
that some of us need to close the door on temptation today. Not tomorrow, today, 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 today. We just, today you need to make a decision to close. Pastor Craig Rochelle said recently, the best way to resist temptation is to eliminate temptation. The best way to resist temptation is to eliminate temptation. In other words, what I've noticed is that when we buy pita chips in my house, I don't do really good with my diet because I get home and I open the pantry and there's bags of pita chips. And I'm going to town on the pita chips. But when we don't buy them and they're not in the pantry, I have better victory in my health because it's not even there. What you make room for is what your life will go after. And so Nehemiah shows up and he's like, what is Tobiah doing in here? And he literally kicks Tobiah out of the house of God. He grabs all the bed, the blankets, everything, and he throws them out to the street because that represents sin, evil. And it's what some of us need to do in our life today. You need to grab Tobiah out of your heart and you need to say, today, I'm closing the door. Tobiah, get the stepping. Tobiah, get out in the name of Jesus. Oh, come on, that greed goes out. That lust goes out. That pride goes out. That evil goes out. That lukewarm attitude goes out. Tobiah, get out in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. You need to get the step in. I almost ripped my pants. Come on, today, some of us, we've allowed and we've made room and provision for things that are not godly. Why am I close to the fire? Because you keep letting Tobiah in. How come I'm not on fire the way I used to? Because Tobiah's there. And from, from Nehemiah 10 through 13, we see the three areas of compromise that I believe affects us all. And I promise you I'm about to close. The three areas of compromise that affects us all. And this is worship, this is trust, and it's relationships. These are the three areas where we all compromise. The people of God, in Nehemiah chapters 10 through 13, go read it. You're going to find they all compromise in these areas. They made a covenant. We will not neglect the house of God. And it's the first thing they did. We compromise in our worship all the time. We tell God that we'll worship him. We'll tell God that we're all his. And we compromise. We worship things. We worship people. We don't worship God. Some of us today, we, we realize this. I've gone after other gods. I've gone after things that do not have my best interests. Number two, your trust. We start compromising in trust. He told them, keep the Sabbath holy. And some of them were making business deals on Sabbath because they wanted to make money. He comes back and he realizes they're still doing business deals on Sabbath. More than keeping the Sabbath holy, the heart of that was, hey, you need to trust God. Have a day to rest and you trust him that he's got you. And number three, relationships. Nehemiah said, hey, don't intermarry with people of no faith or of a different faith. Because they started marrying women of different cultures, different faith, different religions. The Bible's clear on that. How can two walk together if they have different visions? In fact, that's where you get the word division, two visions. And some of us here today, we, we need to realize that person that you're dating is not good for you. And some of us need to close the door on Tobiah. Tell Tobiah, get the stepping. Tobiah, whatever his name is, call him Tobiah today. Break up with him today. He's not good for your life. Right? And he's asking us to compromise in different areas, right? All of us, that just because you're dating that girl and she's cute, I've seen more people pull people away from God than us bring people to God when we start dating them. And so Nehemiah's clear on that. Like, and if you don't have a problem now while you're dating, you're going to have a problem later when you get married. You're going to have more of a problem when you start raising kids. Who are you going to raise them worshiping? 
what's going to be the center or the foundation of your family. It was all fun and games when you were dating. But now that you start raising kids, you're going to see. There's the, Nehemiah knows what he's talking about. He's a man full of the Spirit. And he's saying, just marry people that have the same values and morals as you. Relationships, we compromise on that all the time. Romantic relationships, friendships. Warren Wearsby, he said this, separation is simply total devotion to God, no matter the cost. And God is asking his people today in the midst of a broken culture, in the midst of a broken society, our world today is moving from order to disorder, from order to disorganization. We are deteriorating and God is asking for people, and I believe the people of Calvary Church is included, to separate ourselves from the world. Once the church begins to look like the world, we have a problem. Separate. We don't do the same things as the world does. No, we live different. We talk different. We think different. But you need to be on guard and you need to stay close to the fire. Can I get an amen? You and I, we need to stay close to the fire. Charles Spurgeon, he said this, watch, believer. Watch always. Watch most when least in apparent need of it. Woe unto us if we make provision for the flesh. Have we not, have none of the household stuff of Tobiah to cast forth from the sanctuary of our heart? Is there no vacant space to fill with the frankincense for the Lord of God? Woo! In other words, Paul tells us the same thing. Don't open a door for the enemy. Be careful with open doors in your life. Because yes, at one point we're passionate about Jesus, praising Jesus, living life after Jesus, being disciplined, being leaders going out to change the world and we need people of all types Nehemiah had lawyers on his side governors on his side kings on his side that means we need godly lawyers we need godly politicians we need godly presidents come on so not everybody's going to be a pastor but we need you in your lane to own it and all of a sudden people just started walking away from the fire because they compromised in their heart I'll finish with these last three things and hopefully this can help us the band's going to start getting ready to come up but I'll finish with these last three things that we can learn from the book of Nehemiah. Number one, we have to learn that God's house is a priority. God's house is a priority. He rebuilt, he rebuilt the walls. They rebuilt the temple. And they promised, they made an oath to always go to the house of God and worship, give sacrifice, give. And after, after two years, they forgot about the house of God. Tobiah was in there. It was a mess. Nobody was worshiping. God's house is important. God's house is absolutely important and we need a stronger God's house now than ever before. I was raised in a house where in, in, in my house growing up with my parents, church was not options. Like this was not optionable. For, for us to wake up on a Sunday and do something else, it was not an option. And of course, when I was 12, 13, 14, I didn't like it. But now that I'm older, I thank God for my parents who said God's house is a priority. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord God. And I tried getting out of it every Sunday. <laughs> Mom, I don't feel good. Pero mami, no me siento bien. <laughs> Mom, I think I'm going to die. Don't worry, we'll revive you in church. But you're going to church. You're, you are going to service. Because in, in our house, they said God's house is a priority. And so some of us, we need to go check back our priorities. Is God's house a priority? Do we put God first in our life? And here's what I noticed in my own life. If I missed for one week, it was easier to miss the second week. And it was easier to miss a third week. And all of a sudden, I found myself a month, two months away from God's house. 
Oh, and it brings disorder to the life. Disorder in the family, disorganization in the home. God's house is no longer a priority in America, and this is why we see it how it is today. Because God's house is no longer in the top five, top ten of what's important in culture. It's nowhere on the list. God's house is absolutely important. And so what I learned from my parents, I now follow it. Me and dad, for, for us, God's house is a priority. Doesn't mean we're not going to miss a week. We're going to go out on vacation. We're going to miss a week. But ask her, even on, vaca on vacation, I'm watching online. I love God's house. I'm watching. I'm there. By the way, we go on vacation. That doesn't mean we stop tithing. We tithe on vacation. Right? Some of us, we go on vacation. We forget all about his house. I'm not going to give my tithe to the rat in Orlando. I'm going to bless God's house even when I'm away. Like God's house. I'm going to build God's house because society is better because of it. Amen? It honors God and it builds the church. And so... For us, God's house is a priority. It's where we give everything to. So for us, it's always been God, family, church. God's house is a priority. Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 39, they said, we will not neglect the house of God. Two years later, they completely forgot about it. That's why the writer of Hebrews reminds us in chapter 10, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as it's the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The writer of Hebrews says, don't stop gathering together. I got my relationship with God. I don't need to go to church. Keep, keep going that route. Sooner or later, you'll find yourself away from the fire. Number one, God's house is a priority. Number two, God's hand is the provider. They forgot about God's house. They started doing business on their own. So much so that on the day that was supposed to be holy and separated for God, what was called the Sabbath for them, they started doing business deals. And Nehemiah goes back to Jerusalem. He's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing business deals on the Sabbath? And he literally kicks them out of the city. He says, if you're going to do these business deals, go out of the gates. And some of the people of God joined them outside because to them, money was more important than God. This is a challenge for our culture where money has become a God. And some of us, we put that money, that God, that idol called mammon in Hebrew, we put it before God all the time. And some of us will miss church to go watch an NFL game, a basketball game, or to go work when we really don't need to because we know that God is our provider. And if I put him first, he's always going to supply all of my needs according to his riches in heaven. I'm not saying that we shouldn't work at all on a Sunday. Listen, I'm not being legalistic about it. I know some of us need to work on a Sunday. But let that only be a season of your life, not the life sentence. Right? Always put God's house first. His hand is my provision. I'm going to trust God. I was just talking to a friend of mine a couple weeks ago, and he said, hey, I, I stopped working on Sundays. He used to work every single Sunday. For him, this is a big step of faith because it's money, it's income that he needs. And he says, I stopped working on Sundays. And I said, are you sure? You know, I, I I'm, 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 use wisdom too. You know, I'm like, I get it. You, you need some take care of your family he says nah, I'm gonna put God first and watch what he's gonna do in my life he just got a phone call his wife got a job they're blessed he said we don't have no need he told me this I'm just telling you, something happens it's a spiritual principle God's house is priority God's hand is the provider and we'll finish with this number three and that's that God's word is the path how can two walk together if they don't see the same way they're walking in different directions what do you center your life on he told them not to intermarry he got back two years later chapter 13 is one of the most devastating saddest chapters in the bible 
because they had totally left God, they abandoned God. And you get to a verse in Nehemiah where it says, now their children did not know the language of God. In two years, they forgot about God. In two years, now the kids that they were having had no idea who God was. You think not forcing your kids to come to church is gonna be helpful? They'll forget who God is. You think letting Friday nights be optional for your kids, it's you giving them power because I'm just their best friend, I wanna help them. You're doing damage to them. Because if you don't teach them, culture will teach them, television will teach them, public schools will teach them, private schools will teach them. In two years, in two years, Nehemiah shows us we just don't build for our time. We just don't fight for our time. We're doing this for our children. We're doing this for the generations. Why is God's house a priority? Because I got a five-month-old that in no time is going to be 15. Oh, because I got nephews and nieces. Because the generations are coming after me. And I want them to know that there's a good God. That there's an awesome God. Oh, stay close to the fire. Come on, it's for our children's children. For our children's children's children. Let them know that there is a God. Stand up to the feet, we're about to finish. You can stay standing, I'll finish with this one last story for my fourth closing. I'll finish with this story. There was this man that started attending church on Sundays. He would show up every week. He was the first one in and the last one out. And the pastor, he noticed that a week went by, a second week went by, a third week went by and he was no longer at church. And the pastor says, I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll go pay him a visit. And the pastor that Monday morning went by the man's house and he knocked on his door. And when the man saw that it was a pastor, he knew what he was there for. And he opened the door and he welcomed him in. And they both sat in front of a fireplace. And it was silent. They didn't say a word to each other. The pastor said nothing. They were just both staring at this fire. After some time, the pastor, he got up and he grabbed the fire tonsils and he reached in and he grabbed one charcoal, one coal. He brought it out of the fire, he just put it between them and he let it cool down, set it down. And they both stared at it and they saw how the red hot fiery embers began to die out. None of them speaking, they would just look at it and the fire went out and the coal grew cold. After a few moments, the pastor, he grabbed it back again with the tongs. He put it back on the fire and in no time, fire picked up again. And it was red hot, flames all over it pastor sat down, nodded his head. After a few seconds, he got up and he made his way to the door and he was leaving. And right as he was leaving out the door, the man in the chair said, pastor, pastor, thank you for the fiery sermon today. I'll be at church on Sunday. Oh, come on. Cause you got to stay close to the fire. Come on, Nehemiah chapter 13 says, I'm gonna stay in his presence. On Monday, I'm in his presence. On Tuesday, I'll worship. On Wednesday, I'll give him the praise. On Thursday, me and my house will serve the Lord God. On Friday, on Saturday, on Sunday, we'll give him a praise because there's nobody like him. Can you lift up your hands all over this place? Come on, lift up your hands, lift up your hands all over this place. Father, we thank you. We love you as we leave your house today. God, let us leave your house, but never your presence that you always go with us. We pray that Monday we wake up with fire in our spirit, with a hunger for your word. Father, we pray that Tuesday you'll surround our families with your goodness, with your grace. Holy Spirit, invade our homes, invade our life, invade our minds, invade our spirits. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that we'll worship you, that we'll honor you all the days of our life, Lord. Help us stay close to the fire.
with hands lifted all over this place. Some of us in here today, we've walked away from the fire. Some of us in here, we've compromised. We've let Tobiah in our heart. We've let Tobiah in our life. Perhaps in a form of a relationship with a friend that we shouldn't be talking to. We've given provision to the flesh. We've given into temptation one too many times. And the fire's fading out. The person you're with that relationship, the friend that you've laughed with over things you know, the, com the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you felt it. Entropy has come in and disorder, disorganization, chaos has ensued. And you find yourself this morning saying, if I, if I just was where I, where I once was, if I can go back to that place, the Spirit of the living God, I believe, is here. And as we were worshiping, I just, I had this vision I don't know who this is for. You've been hiding from God. And I literally had a picture of somebody hiding underneath a desk almost. You've been running from God. You've been hiding from God. But like God called Adam, he's calling you out today. Where are you? Where are you? Adam, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? He's a good father. And the same way he sent Nehemiah back to repair and restore, he sends the Holy Spirit today to repair and restore. It's not too late. It's never too late. He's a good God. Spirit of the living God, I ask that you move throughout this place right now. Come on, with every hand lifted. If you focus on him for just a few moments more, Spirit of the living God, come breathing life to the dead areas of our heart, of our life, of our soul. Come breathing light to our families, to our homes, to our marriages, to our relationships. Oh God, light a fire once again, God. Light a fire, God. Those of us who walked away, help us to stay close to the fire. Help us to be leaders who recognize when we've compromised. Help us to be men and women of God that run back to the fire. Help us that we never grow cold and never grow distant. Help us to always go back. Oh, that we won't be like that church in Revelation that we left our first love. But we come back to the Father. We say, thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. You're a good God. You're an awesome God. Our hearts are yours. Our lives are yours. All of our worship is yours. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With eyes closed, head bowed. We're leaving in just a moment. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, if you're here and you feel far from God, in fact, if you're here watching online and you say, Alex, I have sin in my life. The Bible says we're all sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. Every single one of us, we've sinned. We've fallen short of God's standard. And the Bible says that God is love, but he's also holy. He can't be with sin. And so sin separates us. And God wanted to be with us so bad that he sent his son, Jesus. Sin has a heavy price. It's called death. Sin will kill you slowly. It'll kill you spiritually, mentally, emotionally, then physically. Sin kills. And some of us know we've done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. We're doing wrong as we're here. We know. We know we've done wrong. And sin has separated you from the God who loves you. Jesus came and he says, you can never pay that price for sin, but I'll pay it for you. He was sinless and blameless and he grabbed my sin and your sin. And the Bible says that Jesus went up on a cross at Calvary and he gave up his life for me and for you. 
They beat him, they whipped him, they nailed him to a cross. He died on that cross. He paid the ultimate price for sin. They grabbed his body, they put it in the grave. He was dead for three days, but after three days, Jesus Christ, he resurrected. We believe with all our heart, he's alive. He's the answer, he's the truth, he's the life. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, in a moment of privacy, in a moment of prayer, if you're here and you say, Alex, I need Jesus. Alex, I need salvation. I've been lost in sin. Doesn't matter how little or how big your sin has been, his blood covers it all. If today you're saying, Alex, I need forgiveness. Today I want to repent. What that word means, I want to turn around and I want to go the direction of my Father. The Father hasn't moved, but we have. If today you're saying, I, I want to give my life to him. I need forgiveness of sins. I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand up. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're watching online, you can make the decision at home or at work, wherever you're at. You lift up your hand. You tell us in the chats. we got pastors and leaders there. Whatever you eye closed, every head bowed. If you're saying, Alex, I need forgiveness. I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. At the count of three, raise your hand. Hold it up high enough, long enough for me to see you. Then you can put it right back down. One, two, three. Throw up your hand as high as you can, as high as you can. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Awesome, you can put your hands back down. Father, you see every hand lifted. I pray that right now your Holy Spirit comes, regenerating the hearts and the spirit. If you raise your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. In fact, the whole church, come on, out loud. In one voice, let's say this together. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Today I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Come on, say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life, be my Lord, and be my Savior. From today on, I'm forgiven, I'm saved, and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Oh, come on, Calvary, can we, can we make some noise for every person? Thank you. Hey, if you raise your hand, if you raise your hand, we have these gifts outside. Do not leave without this gift. There's a free Bible in there, a note from me and Diana and the church, a free coffee mug. Pick it up on the way out, no strings attached. We wanna give it to you as a free gift. Come on, let's leave out of here, worship one more time. But every hand lifted, Father, we thank you, we love you. Thank you for your grace. Go before us this week, behind us, surround us with your goodness and your presence. Today we say we'll build our lives upon you. We give you all the glory, all the honor, in Jesus' name.